0: Hello and welcome to Legally Speaking, a podcast series that aims to make the law and legal issues that affect your everyday life more accessible and maybe a little less scary. As this series is brought to you by Ison Harrison Solicitors, the Yorkshire law firm, in this episode I'm joined by Amy Law, Clinical Negligence Solicitor for Ison Harrison. Good to have you with us, Amy.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: With concerns being voiced about missed appointments for serious conditions and hospital appointment backlogs as a result of the pandemic in the news recently, it's probably timely that the subject area for this episode is around oncology and cancer claims. Amy, what would be classed as a cancer claim? And and once you're sure that there's a case to be made, how long would I have to make a claim?
1: Well, a cancer claim is a type of clinical negligence claim. Um clinical negligence is a, is essentially a claim for compensation for an injury that's been caused as a result of negligence. So in relation to cancer, um it's usually surrounding a delay in diagnosis or a misdiagnosis of cancer. I've worked on cases where, you know, they've done um a patient's recently had a scan which has shown that the there's sort of cancerous tumors um in say the abdomen or the chest. And then when the hospital have looked back at the earlier scans a couple of years prior to that, um, it's it's obvious that the it was present at that time and it should have been diagnosed. And really it's about what difference that delaying diagnosis has made to you as a patient. So in terms of pursuing a claim, uh, we do clinical negligence claim for all sorts of things, not just for oncology, but um, in just talking about this today... There are certain legal tests that we need to meet as, uh, to, to pursue a claim. Now, there's no doubt that a medical practitioner owes a patient a duty of care. That is just a given. Uh, but to establish negligence, we have to prove that there was a breach in the duty of care. So we're not looking for a golden standard of care. We're not, you know, not the best possible care out there. But there is a reasonable standard of care and it's whether or not the care provided to you fell below that reasonable standard. Yeah, there's
0: got to be some kind of minimum level you would that's expect it. for it It exactly. to be, you know, basic.
1: Well, that's the first test. I mean, if we can establish that there was a breach of duty, the next sort of hurdle to get over to win is to prove causation, which is... What difference did that make? So I have had cases where there's been an 11-month delay in diagnosis of a a tumour in the throat. And when we got independent expert evidence to see what difference that had made, it actually made no difference at all. Um, You know, it's it's not always just because it's been missed or, you know, there's been a delay, then it doesn't necessarily mean that there is a claim. His treatment would have always been the same and the outcome would have always been the same on um, the flip side I've had a couple of year delay in diagnosis of lung cancer and you know had it been diagnosed earlier it would have been curative uh, and by the time it was actually diagnosed it was terminal prognosis and it, it's the unthinkable so the second part of the question there is three years to pursue a claim so that's three years from the date of negligence or your date of knowledge of negligence. So. You know, if the negligence happened two years but you've only found out about it now, you can't be expected to bring a claim then. So it is a very, very strict rule. And unfortunately, if a patient were to to die uh, prior to the estate bringing a claim or during a claim, the the clock starts again from three years from the date of death.
0: Right, so at least, you know, as strict and tight as it is, there are other options for you. Obviously, you just used an example there where there was a two-year lag before diagnosis. So. You know, it's leaving it quite tight to to bring any form of claim. Let's take a scenario then. My loved one has died as as a result of cancer, sadly. But I think it was diagnosed too late. Is it back to this idea that I I then still have a three-year period? Or is there a different effect once, you know, sadly they've already passed?
1: Yeah, even if it's your date of knowledge and you've had thoughts after they've died, it is still three years from the date of death and... You know, you're, you're a layperson, we're a layperson, we're not medical experts, so we say come to us as soon as we can. Because sometimes actually making a complaint to the hospital or the GP or whoever is involved in the potential breach, doing that bit of investigation can either give you a bit of peace of mind or closure as a family, or it might raise further concerns and you can come to us at that stage as well.
0: So what damages can you actually recover or look to recover as a result?
1: Well, where do I start? There's um, there's a few different sections that we'd look at um, so firstly we look at the pain and suffering and loss of amenity that you have suffered. Again this works in two different ways really. It depends on whether the, the patient um, is still with us or whether they have died um, and what kind of damages you can claim for is different in different kinds of claims. So yeah we do look at the pain and suffering that's been experienced um, and that's one element to it. The other elements are any special damages. So any past financial loss you or your family have suffered um, as a result of the negligence or, and also any future financial loss. If you're needing care for the rest of your life, 24-hour care or just any care that that you wouldn't have had to pay for otherwise, then um, that's something we'd look to include. If someone's lost a loved one, the estate can look to claim for sort of loss of services so as, as an example we had a family who'd lost the father and there were four children and grown-up children but he did all the DIY everything with the cars you know he did absolutely everything for the, for the kids and um, they were the person that he turned to and it's that kind of thing we can look to claim for um, loss of financial dependency for a wife that's lost a loved one that maybe relies on the pension um, so there are a lot of different elements to it but um Sometimes it's things that you wouldn't even think about, but it does it does add up.
0: What kind of thing have you found has surprised people that will be covered by it?
1: Mainly loss of um, services dependencies. It like I've, that example I've used because when you put that to people, they just sort of brush it off. You know, well, he just did it. He just would have always done that. But the point, you know, he just trimmed the hedge, but the hedge took two days to trim because it was huge. You know, and you're now going to have to pay a gardener for that, and and that adds up every year. And things they would do around the house, you know, things like that. It's it's stuff that you wouldn't think about um, that makes a big difference.
0: Yeah, as you say, if you replace the fact that they were a parent with people that would come and supply those those kind of services, mm. it's yeah, it's a very different perspective. So
1: that's it. You can also claim for um, a statutory bereavement award, which is a, a set amount um, that a wife, a sp- sorry, a surviving spouse would be entitled to, you know, for for the loss of that loved one as well.
0: So, Amy, thank you. That that very much covers off um, kind of reparation as as the result of a bereavement. Palliative care, though, if I, you know my loved one or, or I've received uh, care from my local hospice, is there any way that their cost can be recovered as part of a claim? Kind of give something back to them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We have had this happen um, on a couple of cases where. As you say, you know a loved one has spent their final weeks, months in a hospice, um, and they want the family wants to give something back. Now, the hospices, the hospices generally do get some NHS funding, but a lot of it can be sort of charitable donations. So you can seek to recover as part of the claim um, some of the costs incurred by the hospice that wasn't funded by the NHS because it's generally the NHS uh, that are are paying the damages. Um, But yeah, we've had it on a case of a young lady, um, a young woman in her 40s who died of cervical cancer. And the family, it was really important to the family to give back because the the hospice were just incredible. Um, And we managed to raise a cheque for that amount and the family could then take it to the hospice and hand it over in sort of a presentation, which a lot of families find really important and it's a nice part of of my job to be able to help with that it's
0: a really nice thing to do and and like you say be able to facilitate on their behalf taking me as an example potentially I've been told that my cancer is incurable so I I believe it's at stage four and beyond yeah what can I claim for to look after my family once I've gone because that's really going to be my my key concern here
1: Uh, We have this a lot where, you know, people are sort of stage four, end of life, um, and they use what energy they have to be contacting us because they want to look after their family. And that's the crucial point. Um, Unfortunately, it does happen where clients die in the process of a claim, but then the family or the estate can continue with that. Again, it's the same damage as they can look to recover any loss of uh, financial dependency, services dependency, um, but we try to. I have a client at the moment who just doesn't have the energy to be involved in the claim, but wants it to wants to crack on with it. Yeah, so we we are happy to deal with the family as well if um, you know to take instructions if if that's what the the client wants.
0: Wills always a touchy subject uh, for families especially at you know a time like this potentially and I don't mean within the family but do I need to be named in somebody's will that's passed to be able to bring a claim for my loved one on their behalf and actually do I need to be the executor rather than a beneficiary in order to do that
1: uh, yes, in short. the Again, this is something we would always raise with clients at the beginning of a claim, especially with this nature, uh, whether the family, whether the person does have a will in place. If so, who are the executors? So the executors are the people that have the right to bring the claim on behalf of the estate just because you're married doesn't actually give you the, that right. If you didn't have a will, there is an option to get a grant of probate that appoints you as a person, the personal representative. You then have a right, but that just causes further delays. So we try and get these things in place uh, before you know the, the inevitable, and um, so that so that the family are set to go. Really, if we need to carry on, uh, the beneficiaries are the people who would benefit so from from the will, um, and in in this case, from the damages. Um, the the damages will be split dependent on on what the will says.
0: I mentioned it in the as someone. Who's been diagnosed with cancer has been delayed as the result of of COVID. Is that something that I can make a claim for, if it's had an impact?
1: Absolutely. Um, I mean, we we are getting a lot um, of these calls. Unfortunately, it's you know it's having a, a massive impact on how quickly things are getting dealt with. Appointments are getting pushed back. I wouldn't say you've got a, you've definitely got a claim. Again, we just take each case on a case by case basis. But it, absolutely, if it, if COVID has caused uh, delays, unreasonable, negligent delays, then there's potentially a claim. Then yes, but always inquire again, quick case by case basis.
0: Thank you, Amy. That's that's an excellent overview uh, for anybody that finds themselves either either personally or or their family in that situation uh, at this current moment in time. Especially you know that last question and, and based on how relevant it is. do get in touch with the clinical negligence team at Eisen Harrison, which of course includes amy you'll find them at eisenharrison.co.uk